we're going to hear from John. In the 20th chapter, reading from the, the 19th verse. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he'd said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it is good to be here. My name's Jeff Milton. Last time I was here as locum minister was January 2017, I think, when Mike was on uh, long service leave. So things are a bit different uh, this time around, but um, great to be with you. So let's pray. Father of all, we thank you for your word to guide us and help us uh, to renew our hearts and minds and draw us to yourself. Um, Please be with us now as we consider your word and let it work in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, please, if you have a Bible on your phone or uh, however, uh, that would be very useful to have in front of you, uh, just to see where I'm getting this from and to convince you that it is from God, God's Word. Well, here we are Sunday after Easter, and of course we're speaking about Jesus' resurrection. And this is the, the best news ever, if you think about it. In John 20, we see the disciples in a locked room for fear of the Jewish authorities who had already crucified Jesus, so they were rightly afraid. And who wouldn't be afraid? But then the risen Jesus appeared. Now, I was thinking about times that I've been uh, afraid and then somehow rescued, uh, and I was reminded of an occasion years ago when I was about 19. I was hitchhiking around New Zealand with Uh, some uni mates and we got to uh, Wanganui in the North Island if you know where that is 
we had to walk through the, the dock area. It was all warehouses. It was dusk. There were only a few street lights. It was a bit spooky, you know, good set for a, a movie shootout sort of thing. And we heard this chug, 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 chug behind us, which sounded like 30 motorbikes. And we turned around and it was 30 motorbikes with big burly guys with leather jackets and coal scuttle helmets. Uh, and we thought our number was up. We didn't, <laughs> it wasn't looking good. But then appeared, they, didn't, they went past us. They didn't even look at us and appeared behind them two police cars. <laughs> Just move along, boys, you know, move along. And <laughs> so they moved them out of town, I suspect. And we were very thankful for that. But there was certainly a moment of, of fear, no doubt. And many things today make us fearful, I think. The pandemic continues to rage on, especially in countries like Brazil. By the grace of God, we've been spared from much of that. But there's all, all many, so many other things happening, escalating political and military tension in the South China Sea, etc. But other things may threaten us personally. A couple of years ago, I had a major cancer operation. Since that time, I have to have tests every, every few months and a scan. I had a scan the other day. So far, so good by the grace of God, but it's always hanging over me. But imagine that there was developed a 100% effective, uh, fully tested, uh, side effect free cure for COVID or cancer. Just imagine that. Wouldn't we rush to embrace it? Wouldn't it be the best news ever? Wouldn't we want to tell everyone else about it as well? What we see in John 20 is, is God's fully verified, 100% effective cure for sin and death and hell in Jesus' resurrection. It really is the best news ever. So let's look at Jesus' resurrection from John 20 in terms of life and peace and purpose. Thanks. And we see that the, the truth of the resurrection urges us, firstly, to believe in Jesus and to receive eternal life. This section of John 20 is packed with evidence about Jesus defeating death, that it really did happen. And it has extraordinary implications for, for everyone. So verse 19, after Jesus had appeared to Mary Magdalene at the tomb, he appeared to his disciples minus Thomas in the locked room, locked because of fear of the Jewish leaders who had earlier crucified Jesus. But now he was alive. He appeared to them. He, there, there was, there was, he was not a corpse. He was a living, breathing, speaking human being. And he says to them, peace be with you. Firstly, I think peace in the midst of this, uh, their terror at what might happen to them, but also I think peace in terms of forgiveness because they had, after all, abandoned him uh, when he was arrested and Peter had denied him three times. And then verse 20, he showed them that it really was him and that he really was alive. He showed them the nail marks in his hand, the wound in his side, he showed them that it, it was him, he was living, breathing, speaking, and he had defeated death and risen to life. Now consider what this momentous event 
does, first of all, for his claims to offer eternal life to those who believe in him. Uh, So we see from his resurrection that these claims are true. He is certainly, as he says in John 14, he is the way, the truth and the life. His resurrection shows that. In chapter 6, he claims that everyone who looks to the Son, that is to Jesus, and believes in him, shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. So he is offering us resurrection life as well. And, And that's made authentic by his resurrection from the dead. In verse 24... Uh, Thomas had not been there on the first occasion, this is, and then this is a week later, the second occasion Jesus appears to the disciples. Thomas had not been there. He had been a doubter, a thoroughgoing sceptic. Like many Aussies today, he wants cold, hard evidence. Uh, you know, unless I see the wounds, unless I put my hand in his side, I won't believe. Well, he got the evidence, verse 24, a week later. The doors are locked in fear, uh, uh, again, of the Jewish authorities, and the risen Jesus again came and stood in front of them and said again, peace be with you. And he, as we go on a bit further, he challenged Thomas, didn't he? Reach out your hand, you know, put, put it in my side, stop your doubting and believe is his challenge to Thomas and perhaps to us, verse 27. And there's plenty of evidence, isn't there, to stop doubting and believe from John's Gospel, from the other Gospels, from the rest of the New Testament, evidence to dispel doubt, doubt perhaps about Jesus' identity. You know, this wasn't a vision, this was the, the physical risen Jesus. They had seen him die, he was now alive. So this was validation of the truth, that he was the Son of God and Saviour from sin and death and hell. So Thomas, the sceptical unbeliever, got his evidence and he did a U-turn to become a believer in Jesus. My Lord and my God, he says, and it doesn't say in the text, but we can imagine him kneeling in front of Jesus in worship. And Jesus sees this as a pattern for others to follow. We can't all have been there at his uh, time of resurrection, but others can hear about it, can read about it, and still believe. And Jesus says, verse 29, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And that includes us, doesn't it? So the evidence of Jesus defeating death, uh, we have here and elsewhere in the New Testament, and it sort of urges us forward towards believing in Jesus um, and trusting in Jesus and thereby receiving his gift of life, of eternal life. And that's the grand conclusion to this passage and really a high point in John's Gospel. Verse 31, look at it with me. But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have Life in his name. Life. Well, perhaps you have doubts about who Jesus is or the possibility of physical life after death or life in the new creation 
Or perhaps you have friends or family members or colleagues who are like that. See, Jesus was not just an obscure rabbi from 2,000 years ago who had a ministry for three years and gathered some followers and then he was executed. Not at all. He is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep so that we may have eternal life, as he claims in John 10. He rose to defeat death and to give life to all who believe, verse 31 in this chapter. So the resurrection of Jesus changes everything about how we relate to Jesus. And the resurrection urges us to believe in him as the Messiah, as God's King, our Saviour, who gives eternal life. Now, perhaps you are a person who has questions about Christian faith. Perhaps you're asking questions. Or perhaps you're a you know, cultural a Christian on the edge, C&E Christian, Christmas and Easter, um, but you haven't committed. Well, don't stay that way. This passage is saying is don't stay that way. Look at the evidence. Stop doubting and believe. Now, understand from your website that you're uh, doing the Alpha course in, uh, very soon. Is that right? I hope that's right. Yes? Okay. Um, well, if you have any questions, come along to the Alpha course. That's the, the format, you know, to have a meal together and uh, see, see, see a video and some discussion, ask questions and ask people here, leaders here, if you have questions. Two good question and answer websites I like. Uh, one of them's gotquestions.org, gotquestions.org, and christianity.net.au. So don't just play around with your doubts. Now, I know it may be more sort of socially acceptable in Australia today to be a bit of a sceptic. Oh, I don't know about this Christianity stuff. Or to be an agnostic, sitting on the fence. But that's actually a dangerous situation to be in. Because you haven't believed and you have not received eternal life. Stop doubting and believe, says Jesus. And when you do believe, you do receive eternal life. And that means, according to Jesus in John 10, life to the full, beginning now. It means a life in relationship with the Son of God, doesn't it? Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And continuing on to be raised up to life with God when Christ returns in glory, John 6, rather than perishing without God. That's the alternative. John 3.16, the most well-known verse in the Bible, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The alternatives are eternal life or perishing. That urges us on to believe, doesn't it? Well, secondly, uh, resurrection and peace. When the risen Jesus appeared to his disciples in John 20, when they're afraid of persecution, three times he offers them his peace, verse 19, 21 and 26. And in the presence of Jesus, we too receive his peace. Here his disciples are offered the peace of his forgiveness for their betrayal of him and the joy of being with him. Uh, and this is Je what Jesus offering what the Old Testament calls shalom, com complete security and friendship and well-being. The well-being of the life to come, beginning now. And it comes to us in the presence of Jesus. 
in him we have peace with God. Our sins are forgiven. We have peace with one another as we forgive one another. And we have peace and security that drives out fear, as Jesus says in John 14. And this is peace that we can experience now in the midst of turmoil. How does that happen? Through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 21. Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is given to us too, as we see in, at, on the day of Pentecost. All believers receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ, Galatians 4 tells us. So he is Jesus with us and Jesus in us. And the Holy Spirit uh, makes sure, cultivates fruit in our lives. And the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. And this is not temporary peace and quiet, like some of those lovely images that we saw uh, earlier on, uh, which, you know, that's, that's great, and we need that sort of peace to get, get back to God's creation, to get, to get grounded and to uh, worship the Creator. But this, what he's talking about here, is ongoing peace from Jesus in the midst of the rough and tumble and conflict of everyday life that we all experience. Here in John 20, the disciples were afraid of persecution. They locked the doors, yet Jesus came to them in his resurrection body, offering them his peace. This is peace in the realities of conflict. So the reason Jesus promises those, this peace to those who believe in him. So in the midst of your struggles, seek his peace through prayer, relying on the promises of the Bible. I'm seeking his peace for my next cancer test. Seek his peace when you're, you're ill or your husband or wife is ill. Seek his peace when your children are straying. Seek his peace when you're under attack as a Christian at work. Seek his peace when governments are dismantling Christian values that have served us so well over the generations. Peace be with you, said Jesus to his fearful disciples. In Jesus' resurrection, we are offered his presence and his peace. And thirdly, in the resurrection of Jesus, we are sent out for the purpose of mission. What does Jesus do after he offers his fearful disciples his peace in verse 21? Straight away, he commissions them for gospel mission. Peace be with you, he says, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. Just lead straight on. So he has a purpose for his disciples and for us to be sent out to continue his ministry and mission. And what does that consist of? Well, of calling people to believe in Jesus and so receive eternal life. Of offering them forgiveness of their sins that separate them from God. That's what verse 23 is about. It's a bit um, confusing, isn't it? it? Sounds like he's talking about setting up a priesthood and uh, uh, absolution in the confessional. If you forgive every, anyone 
sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. But what it's about in this context is a mission focus. The, the focus of our message is about people being forgiven, being able to be forgiven by Jesus' death for our sins on the cross and us bringing that good news to Jesus. We are messengers of sins forgiven. But of course, some will reject Jesus and reject the message and not be forgiven. How tragic that is. Jesus is realistic about mission, but he's offering that forgiveness of sins that reconciles us with God. And also, of course, as we have in our mission message, the wonderful good news of the resurrection of life after death. What a message, life-giving and utterly life-changing. But this mission is an impossible task apart from, verse 22, the power of the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit, says Jesus, to, to them and to us immediately after he commissioned his disciples. So it's our job to be faithful messengers and it's the Holy Spirit's work to soften hard hearts to open blind eyes, to unstop blocked ears to his message. And we have a gospel communicating mission and purpose as a church and as individuals. I've heard that St Columns is developing a strategic plan which I'm sure will involve gospel mission into the future. We have a Jesus-given purpose to communicate his message in the power of the Holy Spirit, to communicate the good news of sins forgiven through his death on the cross, to challenge people to believe, stop doubting and believe. And this can be a daunting task in a secular Aussie society, but that's what Jesus has commissioned us to do. And that's why putting time and energy and prayer into running Alpha is such a good idea, so important. So do pray for people and invite them to come with you to it. I, I can still remember uh, years and years ago when I was thinking about becoming a Christian, over, an, over a period of six years actually, that's how, what a slow learner I am, and in the last year uh, this good Christian friend of mine rang me up and said, I could hear the sort of tentative voice, um, would you like to come to a play that our church is putting on? Uh, and I said, oh, that sounds interesting. What's it called? And he said, Christ in the Concrete City. I thought, oh, wow, that sounds hardcore. But I, but I said yes. Why did I say yes? Because the Holy Spirit was working in my life, whether I recognised it or not, and I wanted to find out more. And I, I remember saying to him at the beginning of the converse, uh, when he invited me, thanks for inviting me. It was it was the right time. So be encouraged to invite people to Alpha. And also individually as Christians, we are Christian missionaries where Christ has put us, in our neighbourhood, in our workplace, with our families, in our community. So pray for conversations about Jesus. Bring God into every everyday conversation. When um, People say, oh, what did you do on the weekend? Saying, well, I went to, went to a concert on Saturday or I went to the footy or took the kids to sport. And then on Sunday, we went to church. It was great. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed getting together with God's people and worshipping God, hearing from God's word and praying. 
And that may be a surprise for your colleagues, may well generate a question or two. And so cultivate their interest. Ask them some questions. Do you, ha do you have any church background? Or what, what are your spiritual beliefs? And don't forget to pray before, during and after the conversation. So to finish up, Jesus' resurrection, the best news ever. Life, it drives us to personal belief in Jesus as, as God and Saviour and brings us eternal life. Peace, as a result of his resurrection, we now receive his peace through the Holy Spirit in the midst of the turmoil of life. And purpose, as a result of his resurrection, we have a purpose and we're commissioned to continue his life-giving gospel mission in the power of the Spirit. Let us pray. Living Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are risen, that you have defeated death, that you have won that victory for us, that you offer us eternal life, that you bring us forgiveness, that our sins are forgiven, that we have sure and certain hope for the future. Lord, we come to you, worshipping you, our Lord and our God. Help us to serve you now and to the end of our days and forever. In Jesus' name.